Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast with Amy and Steph. I'm Amy. And I'm Steph. Though we try to make Cancer for Breakfast safe and comfortable for everyone, it may not be suitable for all audiences and is intended for informational and educational purposes only. It is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors. We didn't even go to podcasting school. (laughs) Hi, Stephanie. Hi, Amy. Hi. Welcome to Cancer for Breakfast. That's the name of the podcast. That's the name. We're here. Got a lot to cover. Got some, we're talking about some scan stuff coming up. Yeah. Yeah. There's some, some things to talk about. (laughs) Some things to talk about. That's why we've brought you here today. (laughs) We've all gathered here. Talk about some scan stuff. Um, so first, can I tell you a quick little thing about how I've started going back to my gym that I never go to? Um, Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I really wanted to start going back to the gym is to be able to go to the indoor cycling classes that I went to years ago and used to be so into. And, you know, I just kind of don't. I like how you called it indoor cycling and not spin. (laughs) Amy, let's be honest with our listeners. Spin has a as a trademark. I didn't want to get the podcast sued. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Indoor cycling. But for reals at my gym, they don't call it spin for that reason, which is really stupid. But I went to spin class. Okay. I do like imagining you though on an indoor cycling course. Like, (laughs) have you seen those like where you go up on the side of the wall and everything? Like, Oh, like I'm like BMXing at an indoor track. No, not BMX, but like, (laughs) like, they're road bikes. I don't know. My ex-husband used to do this. Oh. There's like an indoor. Pause the show. Did you guys know <laughs> Steph has an ex-husband? That's um. true. Anyway, you are not indoor cycling. You are doing a spin class. I'm doing a spin class. Tell us all about it. I'm doing a spin class. Well, okay. First of all, um, I went to the gym and I took a Pilates class first. This is the most boring thing you've ever heard in your life. I swear there's a point to this and it's going to be quick. Don't worry. Stay with me. I went to Pilates class. The Pilates teacher is the manager of the entire gym. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was going to go to spin class uh, the next day. And I asked her, (laughs) I don't think I want to even tell this part. I'm so sorry. I'm so stupid (laughs) right now. What are you doing? What am I doing? Tell us. Okay. So anyway, so I went to the spin class for the first time in a really long time. And it was really great. And as I was doing it, I was reminded of like, how I used to go all the time and how I really loved it. And how we had even joked around on a very early episode about of cancer for breakfast about how I had had like this fantasy of like one of the ways I was going to have my recurrence rate be lower is by becoming a spin teacher. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'll get paid, but I'll also be working out four times a week, like whatever. Um, anyway, in the spin class, I was like having this fantasy again, like my first spin class in literal years that I'm going to teach the class. Right. I'm like, (laughs) I'm huffing and puffing. And I, you know, like this, like 70 year old man behind me had to help me with my seat because it was too high. Like I am not qualified to be a spin instructor, nor is this like a real thing. Um, but I was having this like daydream about being the spin instructor and like, well, if I taught two classes a month or a week, Um, the pay will be really shitty, especially at the gym I go to because I know how much they pay per hour for a one hour class. Uh It's, it's, I'll just tell you, I think it's like $26 for getting out of your house, driving to the gym, teaching a class for an hour and then going home. Like that's not, that's not not that like $26 an hour is in a fine wage if you're working more than one hour. Um, right. I don't leave the house for less than 300. Okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, but in my head, I was like, but 
if you teach two classes a week and then you save that money in this special account and then you're getting this exercise and it's lowering your risk. Like I was doing all this weird shit about how I was going to like lower my cancer risk and I must have been an instructor suddenly in my head. <laughs> uh huh. And then uh -huh. I like get to the end of the class and everyone's like, woohoo. And then the teacher's like, mentioned something about how something something 24 hour fitness breast cancer awareness month something something and I was like I don't know what she just said but okay you know um she was like Amy <laughs> and we have a survivor <laughs> we've been waiting for her to join us and she did such a great job that I quit and she's the new instructor <laughs> and we're gonna pay for her to go to spin college <laughs> Um, no. So directly after she says the breast cancer awareness thing, it like dawns on her to bring something else up. And she's like, oh, and also that reminds me update on Tanya. I don't think Tanya would mind if I shared with you guys, but you know, Tanya's should be back soon. She's doing great. Her surgery went really well and no lymph nodes were involved and they got all the cancer out of her tongue and blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, yay, you know, and, and she's like, so she should be back teaching like in a couple of weeks. And I, I was like, oh, crazy. Like this lady isn't the normal indoor cycling teacher. She's like filling in for fucking Tanya or whoever this lady's name was who has fucking cancer. Tongue cancer, Tanya. Tongue cancer. Wow. Uh, I didn't think anything other than oh, I need to tell this teacher to tell Tanya that I know two tongue cancer people who are awesome, who would, I'm sure would be happy to talk to her. Hi, Danielle. Hi, Jamie. But then I didn't do that, you know, and then I, I left and was like, it didn't take until I was driving home and I started literally laughing. Not, of course, because Tanya has cancer, because that's awful. And I'm so glad that her surgery went well and her name's not really Tanya. Um, and it wasn't really 24-hour fit. And I'm just kidding. It was. Um, <laughs> but I was like, I did not even realize how funny that was to go from a fantasy of teaching a spin class to reduce my cancer risk to getting bitch slapped with. Can you say bitch slap? <laughs> no okay yeah no are we not i guess so oh, yeah i mean it's got to be something to getting slapped in the face with the actual spin teacher has <laughs> that spin teacher herself isn't here because she has cancer so like my idea was just like immediately like it was foiled <laughs> <laughs> yeah sad trombone but, you know i mean tongue oh. cancer is very different than breast cancer but still <laughs> it's just like <laughs> it's all around us people um any old way so <laughs> if you want to take a class from me <laughs> she now knows how to adjust her seat. <laughs> <laughs> she can help you adjust yours too it was a fun class though We'll say that. Yeah. Anyways, how are you, Steph? I'm I'm good. I have a scan on Monday. Mm -hmm. Your three-month scan. Uh-huh. That's actually more like a five-month scan. I don't know. I went kind of a long time. Um did we talk about why? I think we did mention why because did we talk about the there was some financial drama. Mm -hmm. Um but anyway, now it's scan time and I don't know. I don't have a great feeling about it. Do you want to talk about it? There's a funny Oh sure. We can talk about it a little bit. I don't think that we've necessarily I mean, well, We've actually probably talked about this before on the podcast, but for people who get PET scans, um, they will know that usually you get like injected with the radioactive glucose or estradiol or whatever it is that they're injecting you with um, so that your cancer lights up. Then you get the CT scan that's like shows your body and then the PET scan overlays where the cancer is, right? So um, the thing about it is that all of the 
radioactive glucose is metabolized the normal way we metabolize anything like through all of the stuff in our abdomen right so like you pee it out and it goes through your kidneys and and all of that so it's really hard to see met sites that are like anywhere in your abdomen so it's kind of a guessing game for a lot of people who have regular pet scans like you have to combine the scan with Mm -hmm. symptoms to get a clear picture and then like i guess they can do other you know they'll they could do like an ultrasound or whatever to learn more i've been having some like twinges which also is like a completely normal thing for anybody with a body Mm -hmm. but i can't really tell if it's like my uterus or my cervix both of which are pretty uncommon sites for lobular breast cancer to move to but it's not unheard of and also it's your uterus your uterus and your cervix are uncommon they are uncommon yeah for lobular but ovaries and fallopian tubes are more common yes isn't that interesting Hmm. i've learned so much from you (laughs) (laughs) and all i had to do was get cancer Mm. um yeah no so i don't know i've been having these like weird twinges and it could totally just be like normal body stuff. Who knows? They're twinges in your uterus, kind of. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't tell if it's like cervix or, you know, uterus. Everything has kind of shifted since menopause. But we'll see. I don't know. Um, a place that is common for lobular breast cancer to spread is to your um like urinary tract, like urethra, and also um, your peritoneum, which is like your Mm. abdominal cavity kind of, you know. So I don't know. I don't know. I think I've been affected by the fact that like everybody in the metastatic breast cancer world is dying right now. Um, No. It seems to really come in waves, but we've lost some like really important people. Um, Nikki Newman, who was just the coolest, um, very, very positive, which is not a mindset that usually resonates with me, Mm -hmm. but just like such a sunny, sweet person who showed every single facet of her experience. Yeah. Um, She was Nick Knacklu on Instagram and she's British, um, but she just died. And then uh, Libby died mm-hmm. libby mbc i think is what sh- sh- her tags were on social media yeah and then like some other really important people are not doing well yeah and are kind of at the end of their lines of treatment or have stopped treatment so i don't know i think i'm feeling like it might be a bad news scan but also i feel that every single time who knows right well I'm hearing like a combination of things happening. Like you haven't had a scan in five months. So you're that part of your brain is probably telling you all sorts of stories about why you should be scared, but there's no truth to that, but I get it. And with the glucose thing is going to light up the exact area in your body that you're having a little bit of fear about. So even if you have a completely clear scan, then you're going to go home and be like, yeah, but they just couldn't see this thing, yeah. you know, yeah. which also there's no actual truth to that, but I understand how it feels that way. That's mean to say there's no truth to that. That's not a nice thing to say to somebody, but I understand. <laughs> and I'm sorry because it's so scary and it sucks. And yeah, when it is combined with losing people in the community, it's like, it's just such an extra real thing to be going through. I hate it so much. I'm so sorry. It sucks. Thanks. You had some scanxiety too last week, two weeks ago. I did. I just had, yeah, I had my scan and got my results. I had a, um, I had my mammogram, but they ordered an ultrasound too, because I actually had like an area of concern that I've had since like February and my other boob, like up kind of high in the corner sort of towards my lymph nodes but sort of breast tissue so I was kind of unsure of 
what it was, but my brain was really going wild with that one. And then I also have uh, in my cancer boob, I'd gotten that fat grafting surgery in September of 2022. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever mentioned on here that a huge hard lump showed up right by where my cancer was. I just forgot to mention that. Um, (laughs) You know me. I'm like, my shoulder feels really, my shoulder is, and then I'm like, there's a huge lump in my breast where my cancer was. Anyway, um, but that actually is kind of how I felt because I was warned with the fat grafting surgery that additional like lumpy areas would show up. There's like you know, not all of the fat lives after the transfer, like a pers- I don't know what the percentage is that typically dies off. Yeah. Let's talk about fat necrosis. Yes. That's what it is. It, there's it's horrible fat necrosis. So it's to be expected. And like some of the, the fat stayed and, you know, there was some improvement. I don't, was it worth it? I don't know, probably not, but interesting to check out. But they were like, you're not a good candidate because you get really freaked out about shit and you're going to get lumpy stuff and it's going to make you scared. And I was like, well, the only thing I care about is that a scan can tell me yes or no. Like, right. Yeah. um, And she said it could. So I'd had a scan to follow up that hard ass lump. And sure enough, the radiologist came in, which I was like, oh fuck here we go and she was like I'm only here because it's kind of confusing and I want to explain it to you and show you what I'm seeing and she did and she said she's 99% sure that it's fat necrosis so this was a follow-up for that six months later and my mammogram so I was like pretty much starting to spiral we all well we did record something before that like from within the spiral um yeah but we're not putting it out because you don't need to hear that. You guys, you don't, you don't need to <laughs> trust me. Um, but it was from within the downward spiral from within the pretty hate machine for all my <laughs> Nine Inch Nails fans in the crowd. Um, but yeah, I did start to really worry, especially actually about the little area of concern in my other boob that I just felt like I've been talking about it kind of for months and it kind of kept feeling, kept feeling, the oncologist kept feeling, her nurse kept feeling and saying, eh, you know, and then, well, you know, it's still there. It is palpable. So I'm going to add the ultrasound, you know? And so it just started to be a, well, it's still there, you know, thing in my head of like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Anyways. So the scan went well, but it was like, I don't know. It's so crazy being in that moment because right now I'm like, it's all okay. You know, I'm back on base, like we've talked about where things are okay. Yeah. But in that moment, it is just like, what are you supposed to do when you're like sitting in that room and like waiting? And I don't know, the the mammogram went okay whatever the lady was nice the ultrasound it's like started out okay and she was like talking to me and when she was doing the area of concern in my right breast she kind of put me at ease a little bit because I could tell she was having trouble finding it and um yeah and she was talking about how it was like I could just tell that she was sort of like yeah these are boobs you know (laughs) But then she like started going over my cancer boob and like when she got low to where that fat necrosis is and where the cancer is, she like completely stopped talking where the cancer was. She completely stopped talking and like took so many pictures and then she like went into my armpit on that side. Oh no. Where all my lymph nodes are or were ha 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 um some of my lymph nodes remain and she just started taking so many pictures and pressing so hard and not saying anything and I was like 
okay, so she found something. It's like either that thing I thought was fat necrosis or something else. Yeah. And then I started thinking about how there actually is this small little lump that I hadn't even like told my oncologist about, but I had mentioned to this uh, radiologist, like at the very mm-hmm. bottom of my boob that just like feels like this teeny tiny little, I don't know, water blister or something. It's really weird. And so I started just panicking about it all, you know, just being like, yeah. she found something, she knows they're going to want to see clear pictures of the nodes to know what the node involvement might be. They're going to try to get all the information they can. And she's like not talking, you know? And so yeah. it's just that thing where you're just laying there for, you know, what could have been two and a half minutes, what could have been seven minutes. I have no idea, but it just feels like forever. And you're like, do, 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 you know? Yeah. And then she was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'll let you know, or, you know, the radiologist will come in if she needs to examine you or see any more pictures or else I'll come back in. And I was like, okay. And she like left and, and then it's just like that waiting moment. It's like, what are you supposed to do? You know? And yeah, <sighs> it's such a weird feeling. Like, I don't know if anybody who's, I, I don't want to assume this is like a universal experience, but your blood like literally runs cold. I feel like mm-hmm. it's such a funny turn of phrase. Your blood runs cold because it really does. Like, <laughs> I feel like you just get this like cold dread. And then you're just waiting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I've had like the top of my head start like yes. feeling like little fingertips are going pitter patter, pitter patter on it or something. It's so little... weird. What a weird human thing. Ah, hopefully more people don't know what that feels like than do. I know. Right. But yeah, like you're, you're just sitting there waiting and then like the radiologist comes in and I don't know, I, when it happened with me when they came in and he was like holding a box of tissues and it was like oh my god okay um but yeah like it's they're just all of these little clues that we look for like you said she stops talking Mm -hmm. um but it also could just totally be like she's concentrating. Yeah. Like you want her to be concentrating, right? It doesn't mean there's anything bad, but yeah. And then moving into your armpit to check yeah, for node involvement. True. Like it's just all these tiny clues that can just really send you even further down the spiral. Yeah. It's terrible. The downward spiral. Um, totally. And like, I didn't even know that I was going to get the results that day, which was so great that I did because my appointment wasn't until the next day at one. And I'd even like prepped Kevin that I was going to come home and I was like, I might just like need to go in the room and take a Xanax and like watch a movie yeah, and just be gone for the night. And then I was like, but don't you think that it means something was bad? It could literally mean that the tech didn't talk to me. Yeah. And that means something was wrong. It could mean she talked to me way too much and I feel like she was overcompensating for something being wrong. It could mean that she was too nice when I left. It could mean that she wasn't nice enough when I left. It could mean anything that yeah. makes me just think something is very wrong. So like, just know, don't freak out if I seem that way. Um, but luckily it didn't come down to that. Um, and I ended up having a tea party with my daughter when I came home instead, which was lovely. Um, <laughs> but... But a freaking, the radiologist did not come in. Um, the tech did. And I was very happy to see her. And But listen to how she said it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. She goes, <laughs> she's like, so um, the radiologist does not need to come back here. Um, so you're right, boob. Good news there. We're not seeing anything of concern and all looks like normal breast tissue, like nothing to worry about there. And so like the whole time she's saying this shit about the right boob, I'm like, get to the butt, get to the and, get to the and. So with, you know, like, yeah, there was. okay. so she does. She's like. And for the left boob, and I'm like, fuck me, fuck, shit, shit, fuck, oh my <laughs> and fuck. And she's like, for the left boob, she's like, hold on, hold on. Did she seriously say boob? <laughs> yeah. 
Well, yeah, she did. <laughs> to the best of my knowledge, that's what she called it. <laughs> um, no, she didn't. She said, and um, on the right, on the left side, what we're seeing is actually many benign cysts. And I said, Woo! or maybe she said mini cysts. And then she said they were benign. And, and she's like, and that's fat necrosis. That's gotten a little smaller. We're not concerned with that. You don't have to come back for that. Just do your regular scans or whatever. Mm-hmm. She's like, but for the cysts, we will see you at your next scan. And if they've gotten any bigger, we might want to talk about draining them and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. How many <laughs> cysts are we talking about here? Like, this is like out of left field. Like, I wasn't even going in there being like, this whole plethora of tiny, th- you know, yeah. like it was just like, I have the fucking necrosis on the other boob. I have this other thing. And I also have like, okay, yes, I can feel one thing at the very bottom. But I was like, how many? She's like, many. She's like, they're basically <laughs> like all across here pointing to like the whole thing around my my cancer was that's wild that's what p- everybody told us it was gonna be when it was cancer <laughs> <laughs> so it does happen to some people that is so true it, yeah you guys it's possible you might just have some cysts um <laughs> but yeah i was like so will they turn into cancer she's like no these are just different and i was like no it's just really gross it's just disgusting <laughs> Your your boob is even grosser than it was before you walked in here. Um, but yeah, so I was like, is it from the fat grafting? And she's like, probably not. It's just like happens with people. And I was like, oh, okay. So I just have it all over my fat grafted boob and none in my right boob. Okay. But I was like, all right, cool. And then my oncologist was like, yes, it's from the fat grafting. Oh. So who knows who to believe? I don't know. But Anyways, so it was okay. It turned out okay. It was okay. It was okay. Oh, but you know what I did tell her? What? To listen to our podcast? <laughs> Actually, <laughs> you might want to avoid this episode because I'm about to rip you up. No, um, I, I did tell her, I said, can I just give you a little bit of feedback about reading results to patients who have high anxiety? <laughs> <laughs> and she said sure and I was like okay I was like you did such a good job I'm not like everything's cool I was like I just want to say that one of like it is a gift to me if somebody walks into the room and the first thing out of their mouth is scans look good yes or everything looks good let me explain what's going on I was like just that sentence Yes. Saves me from so much. And I was like, the whole time you were saying so on the right side and telling me everything was okay with the right side, I really was waiting for that shoe to drop on the left side. The whole time I was just like, just get onto the left side, get out. Like, what's the problem? What's the problem? Yeah. And I was like, it helps so much because, you know, people, especially that have been through cancer diagnosis where this isn't our first rodeo, you know, and we're kind of waiting for things to go wrong. And she was just like, Oh my gosh. And then she like, kind of like broke her, um, professional, like she was just like, I'm so sorry. I'm just, I'm not normally reading results to people. It's usually the radiologists. And I was like, no, no, you did a great job. You did a great job. She's like, okay, I just don't usually do it. And I was like, no, 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 it was great. Anyway. Um, you were like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad, but just, yeah. Do you have some questions or comments or critiques? <laughs> oh, poor thing. Well, oh my God, Mitzi, my dog will not leave my side. So listeners, if that doesn't end up getting edited out where my dog is just like licking me and shaking, Aww. I apologize. Um, she is the light of my life. But <laughs> Which also you were like, Mitzi's being weird. It's my cancer. I was like, no, it's not. Yes, it is not. Yeah, my dogs won't leave me alone. So either I am going to die or there's going to be an earthquake. <laughs> you heard it here first. And it might be both. It might be both. Yeah, like Maybe for kind of a big one. Maybe I'm going to die in the earthquake. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. There you go. Shit. Wouldn't that be, that would be so funny. <laughs> wouldn't it? What? <laughs> I mean, come on. It would be like a little bit funny if number one, we had talked about it on the podcast. Right. And number two, I have stage four cancer, but I die in an earthquake. That would be wild, right? Okay. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The only thing that would be better is if I actually got hit by a bus. I know. I thought about that the other day too, when I like 
saw a bus going by too fast. I was like, that that would be kind of funny. I, I really thought that. Yeah, because everybody is always like, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, okay. Sorry that. Sorry if that made you uncomfortable, listeners. <laughs> We're um, leaving it in. Yeah, I'm very glad. I'm very glad uh, that your your boobs are <laughs> full of cysts. Um, many grats. Many cysts. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm also glad that you told her that because you gave her a lesson she needed. People need that feedback. I walked so she could run or so the other patients could. No, that's not it. (laughs) Um, Well, I think your scan's going to go well. I really do. We'll, We'll see. Maybe. Maybe it will. I'm not trying to bright side you, honey. Maybe it'll be great. Maybe they'll find a sack of gold. <laughs> a benign sack of gold. That's right. Many benign sacks of gold. <laughs> that would be great. That would. Yeah. Do you, do you want to read a letter? Do we have any? Um, we do. Um, this is from Jamie. She says, I'm driving to my two-year scan appointment and doing my ritual of listening to the recurrence episode. So thankful to Amy and Steph for this podcast. I thought you all could relate to something. Can we write a book on how to talk to a cancer person? I recently shared my fear and anxiety about this scan with a few loved ones. All I wanted was one person to say, I know that sucks and has to be scary. I'm sorry that you have to go through it. I'm here for you no matter what the outcome. Instead, I heard everything will be just fine. I know it will be fine. It has to. I have to believe that for myself. It's just a routine scan, right? No big deal. You don't have any symptoms, right? So it will be fine. I know their heart was in the right place, but ugh, I'm on toxic positivity overload. Mm. Yeah. And I do must admit that is from our private Facebook group. But I asked her if I could share this as a letter on the pod because it's so much of what we're talking about today. And she said we could. I was like, I don't want you to think I'm mining our group for letters, but it's perfect. And she's like, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's true. And that one, the one that really kills me is that like, I have to believe for myself that it's going to be okay. Like what? You know? Yeah. That's like saying don't ruin this for me yeah and you know like she said their heart is always in the right place but it's just that nobody wants nobody wants to hear those things you know it's like everybody has a bad thing happen to them sooner or later and when has it ever been helped by somebody saying like oh it's fine though (laughs) you know know. it's it's such a delicate balance though right I mean I like essentially just did the same thing to you stuff about your scans you know and like I don't yeah, I don't think it was the well, same it, thing. It wasn't like... It is, but it's also like there's a balance between trying to talk somebody down or bring them to like back to their breath and back to like focusing on what can be focused on in that moment. And like, no, I was doing none of these things when I was talking to you, but like, you know, <laughs> like that's probably not happening. Like and her friends are right in her, in her case too. And she did go get the scan and they were right. Like the scan was good. Um, which is great, but yeah, it's just such a delicate balance of like silencing somebody or like, yeah. What do you think? You're right. It is helpful sometimes to just be like, I think it'll be okay. Sometimes that kind of positivity works for some people. But I do think that validation is a really important aspect of it. And you did that too. Like you can say, this is really scary. I'm sorry that you have to go through it. But like, let's think positive. Like it's going to be fine. Like let's assume it'll Mm -hmm. be fine. Um, And I think that's different than just saying like, oh, it's just routine. Like, because that's the thing is like it is routine that we have to get these scans because one time 
mm-hmm. it wasn't just a screening test. It was bad news. Right. And so now we have to be followed because there is a potential there for the bad news to come again. And the weird assumption that just because it's not a, a diagnostic imaging appointment <laughs> means that everything's okay. It's just, that's not how it works. So um, I get it that a lot of people don't have the life experience to understand how anxiety inducing mm-hmm. these scans can be, but um, they do have some experience being anxious about something. I'm sure everybody does. It just is like, I always, with my children, you know, I, it always really bothered me when little kids would fall and somebody would say, oh, you're okay. You're okay. Mm-hmm. Um, because maybe they're not okay. And you just, maybe you should say, are you okay instead? Mm-hmm. Um, because how, how is it helpful to s- tell somebody that they're okay when they don't believe that they are? Right. Same deal. Same deal with scan stuff. Sucks. Yeah. Sucks and it's hard. We see you people listening. Um, I think that's cute that she listens to the recurrence episode. I know. That's so nice. As a, as a scan day tradition. That's really sweet. I like it. Um, and I'm so glad that her scans were good. Yeah. I am too. But you know, like, whether they ended up being good or bad. What I love about our group is that people do respond in that really empathetic way where like, we're not going to go down somebody's spiral with them, but Mm -hmm. we will acknowledge and then be on their side. That's yeah. I like that about our community. It's true. We're just so great. We're just so great. (laughs) Um, if you're listening, it's called Crying in My Nightgown on Facebook, Cancer for Breakfast Club. Yeah, it's like the only thing that's keeping me on Facebook at this point, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> that and Marketplace. Oh, Marketplace is really good. I have this friend. She doesn't <laughs> listen. If she does, this is like a really backhanded way to get this information to her. She is posting in Marketplace nonstop this bright lime green kitchen stuff like KitchenAid uh freaking mixer thing a soda machine soda stream machine <laughs> bright fluorescent lime green salt and pepper Le Creuset lime ass green shakers but it's really funny I'm sorry, Rebecca. I just have to say it's really <laughs> freaking funny to watch because she updates it and reposts it. It's been like three weeks. Nobody, Nobody wants your lime green kitchen wants shit, it. Rebecca. And it's like $250 for the bundle or it's like posted individually. And then, okay, so that's not working. No bites. So then repost like with just the soda stream machine, like... It's in my feed, the lime green, every day and a half no. again. And that's just so painful. That's so embarrassing. It's so painful. I wonder if she knows. I would be so embarrassed. <laughs> like, that's like actually what keeps me from posting anything on Marketplace is that like it is. I find it really embarrassing. Well, you can hide it from your friends. Oh, really? Okay. What you post, Somebody you can tell her. <laughs> I know, I know. Or just like find a consignment shop. Just like you're not, you, you, no, girl, come on. Um, but anyway, that was really mean of me, but I had, I had no one else to tell. Except for I had to talk about it on my podcast. All of you. Um, also, if you want lime green shit for your kitchen, <laughs> let me know because I will connect you. Amy's got a line on all the lime green kitchen stuff you could ever want. Oh, man. That's really funny. Um, yeah. All right. Do you have freaking rats? I do. Something that we actually want? (laughs) (laughs) I do. I have a rats for us.
surface is about 9-11 first responders, but what it's actually about is how regular screening and free healthcare help people with cancer. Hmm. So, of course, the people who were first responders in the September 11th attacks had all kinds of stuff that they were exposed to. They were exposed to the detritus and the dust and everything from the World Trade Center's uh, towers that collapsed. Um, Just all of the things, the, the fire, the smoke, the, you know, all of this extra stuff. And it's not mm-hmm. just the people who were first responders um, at the Twin Towers, but it was also at the Pentagon and then the a plane crash site in Pennsylvania. And they've been followed pretty closely, thanks in no small part to Jon Stewart, who hmm. has really been a pretty tireless advocate for uh, first responders and getting them healthcare. They do have an increased risk for developing some things like lung cancer and other lung diseases, presumably because of their regular exposure to smoke, dust, and environmental toxins. But Mm -hmm. there's also an increased risk of leukemia, thyroid cancer, and some other cancers. I'm going to link, of course, to the articles that I found on this um, in the show notes. But something that was kind of interesting to me is that the first responders already had an increased risk of some of these cancers anyway because of their regular exposure and also because of like cultural trends kind of, I guess, among like police officers and firefighters. Mm -hmm. So there are a bunch of little interesting moving parts to this whole puzzle, Um, one of which is that people who were first responders on September 11th have a much higher rate of PTSD, which comes with drug and alcohol abuse um, in a lot of cases. And so that, of course, raises your risk of certain cancers. Um, Also, smoking is, uh, there are higher rates of smoking in police officers and firefighters, apparently, Mm -hmm. just in general. Um, than in the general population. Probably especially in like New York. Yeah. And like versus sure. like Sioux Falls or something. Yeah, exactly. So um, all of that stuff is really interesting to me broadly. Um, the rates of cancer are not actually that much higher than hmm. for 9-11 first responders than they are in the general public. But really, yeah, it's great. It's, yeah, it's great. Right. Um, but they've been followed really closely over the last, you know, 20 whatever years. And um, what is different for these first responders versus the general public is that there is a specific program that was created to help people who were first responders. There are over 80,000 people enrolled in this program. It's called the WTCHP, the World Trade Center Health Program. And it provides care through a bunch of different clinical centers um, and the nationwide provider network. So they cover, it says they cover medically necessary healthcare services within the United States and its territory. So it's basically everywhere. in the U.S., people don't have to stay in New York or Pennsylvania or D.C. Um, and all of these first responders and survivors and um, New York firefighters have access to free health care, free monitoring. And it's all through this World Trade Center health program. Um, and it's for anybody who was a worker or who volunteered to provide rescue recovery, debris cleanup, support services um, on or in the aftermath of September 11th. So 
there's this huge swath of people. Um, it's over 80,000 people currently enrolled in the program, but over 90,000 people were initially um, eligible for it. And what they offer is no cost treatment for certified WTC related health conditions. Um, and it doesn't replace your regular healthcare or health insurance or anything like that. Um, but it is this like extra level of monitoring mm -hmm. for the issues that could arise because of exposure on September 11th. Um, and so that's really cool. I think those people have no higher rate of dying of lung cancer or prostate cancer or leukemia than the general public, even though they have this extra level of exposure. And I think what that says is that regular monitoring for free and free healthcare um, treatment <laughs> for the certified conditions makes a huge difference in your overall well-being. And if only the general public could have the same level of monitoring and free treatment, then yeah. what a difference it could possibly make in the death rate for a lot of these cancers. Yeah. And like thinking about first responders of any emergency, like how many firefighters in Sioux Falls or wherever are also going into like yeah. much smaller emergencies with toxic things around them or you know, here we just had a crazy asbestos fire, asbestos fire in a huge empty Kmart that blew asbestos ash all over all these backyards and swimming pools. And it was just like, whatever. But because it's such a smaller emergency, those first responders and different people, they're not going to get, you know. Right, exactly. Their lungs aren't going to get checked, but... But that's really cool. I mean, buildings collapse everywhere, right? I mean, mm -hmm. there are these smaller scale exposure events happening everywhere all the time. And so it's unfortunate that we don't have a healthcare system that does provide this level of monitoring and then treatment because, of course, like it's it's one huge issue that is almost inarguable, right? Like, how could you say that those people who were first responders to this like horrible terrorist event, like, of course, that's going to get passed through Congress. Like, that free health care seems like a no-brainer. But mm -hmm. everybody else, other, you know, the Kmart fire victims don't, <laughs> don't have as much pull, even though it's... Even Kmart's fire <laughs> victims are on a budget. But you know what I mean? Like it can't it can't just be these like huge dramatic events that qualify people for getting the health care that they deserve in order to lower their risk of dying from cancer. Like, mm -hmm. okay, if we can't lower the risk of developing cancer, at the very least, we should be able to lower the risk of dying from cancer. And that's where we're at right now, right? Like, yeah. that's what this commission has proven that with monitoring and free healthcare, you lower the risk of dying. And if only there were a way <laughs> to implement that mm -hmm. for the whole country, you know? I swear they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure it out like right as temperatures <laughs> are so high that it does none of I us know. any good. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yay, our children don't have to worry about disease. Oh, but <laughs> they, can't. they can't go outside. Yeah, that's true. Somebody needs to get Jon Stewart on the horn. <laughs> about the environment yeah about the environment climate change Save cancer us. come on john just some comedy you know yeah all right well thanks for that rats mm -hmm. anything else My pleasure i don't think so um cross your fingers braid your hair for me oh my gosh you have hair stuff 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 good luck on your skin thank you i'm gonna be Right here. You know what? If you're in that waiting room and you don't know what to do and you don't know, you need a distraction, 
or you need to bitch about it, you just call me. You just text me. I always do. Because I know it's hard. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I will. I'll do it. Okay. Um, and thanks to our new Buy Me a Coffee's, um, Carolyn Kulog, big, big thank you to you. Um, we've got, oh, who's that other one? It's Emily. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Emily Krauss. New patron. Patron. <laughs> thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Uh, we couldn't do it totally. without you. Yeah. And thank you, Kelly Williams. Thank you, Mary McKee. Thank you, Julie McCormick. Thank you so many of our donors. Yeah. Love to read the whole list and then a coming upcoming episode. All right. Okay. All right. Best of luck <laughs> on on your day. Don't get hit by a bus, anyone. Don't do it. Just don't. It's not worth it for the joke. Don't. It's not worth it for the bit. <laughs> it's not actually that funny. <laughs> John Stewart is not laughing at that one either. <laughs> okay. Goodbye. Cancer for Breakfast is hosted by Amy Dials and Stephanie Lejeunesse and produced by Nathan McGeehee. Our theme music is written and performed by Vivivir. Find us at cancerforbreakfast.com, Instagram at cancerforbreakfast, and email at cancerforbreakfast at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening.